Hello, and welcome to the World We Live In podcast. I'm your host, Eric Patterson. Alongside me is my sister, Erin. Join us as we explore the amazing, mysterious aspects of our planet's cultures, history, and future trends. Yo, what's going on? What is up? How's your week? Um, been good. Finally getting some warm weather. It's great. Yep. It was beautiful. Yeah, the sun isn't going down at 4.30 or 5, so I can't complain. No. Spring is always just a great time. I feel that. I had a day where I was scared about my allergies, and I was like, oh my god, is this what I'm in for, for the next four months? But, worth it. Yeah, definitely worth it. Um, I mean, it does suck, especially in Tennessee. The pollen gets pretty bad. But we just buy local honey and the problem solved. That's right, yeah. So, I, does that actually work? Yeah. It actually does. It does. It's yeah. the only thing that helps mine. So by local, it means the bees have to be raised Yeah. in Tennessee or just like Nashville? Um, like, well, the person who told me about it slash gave me it last time yeah. was like out like 30 minutes past where you are. Okay. So, so like it still worked though. I guess it's just like like middle Tennessee. Central middle yeah. Tennessee works. But yeah. So wow. they got it out there but I was like I don't know if this will work but it did. Like all the medicines they worked for a little bit. Like Claritin really worked. All that stuff. But now I'm like honey is I have to because it doesn't work anymore. Yeah see that's the thing about like I, I feel like I feel like people are coming to recognize that like medicines work, but n- but they don't fix anything. No, because if it fixed anything, then there would be no recurring <laughs> revenue, and then big pharma wouldn't make any money. Nope, it's literally that simple. So in short, it could be fixed, but it's yeah. not. But it's not <laughs> because where would they get money? Yeah, but yeah. So for anyone who has issues, I recommend getting honey. Local honey. Yeah. It works. Put it put it on your bagel on your Just whatever. Whatever people eat these yeah. days. Yeah. Now, does it have to be a certain amount? They say just like a teaspoon. A teaspoon. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean But I mean I just I eat it like it's going. Yeah. Like I won't have it tomorrow. Like I eat it I eat a lot, like twice a day. Honey honey is like pickles for me. I did not used to like either, but now I love them. I like it. I also over like over Christmas time when like I was sick and my, my throat was just so like dry yeah. and I was like, oh, well I guess I'll try honey cause yeah. I would eat it for my allergies or whatever. But so became like, I like tea, like hot tea. Yep. It's good. But I wouldn't, I never, I thought it was gross, but then I was like, well, I have to have it. So when that, when, when the allergies are bad enough, you'll, uh, you'll do just when anything's anything. bad enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll fix it. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. Well, so I was put, I was, I was, it's not, it's not a referral, but I, different podcasts, you know, they have like the references mm-hmm. to their, what they talked about. And I was just going through one of my favorite podcasts and they were, uh, they had had some links to different websites. I was just messing around and I've definitely heard of this website before, but it's called ufoinsights.com. And basically it's <laughs> just a, it's just a, um, database of UFOs, conspiracies, cryptozoology, supernatural, just like accounts, just like stories. So like no fluff, 
just mm-hmm. like at least the ones I've read, just straight up, just story time. Okay. Which is pretty much what it's we great. do. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I was looking around and I came across the name Stephen Greer, which it sounded like oh. you're familiar with <laughs> Stephen Greer, Doctor Stephen Greer. Um, I am mainly because I listen to MU and they talk. Uh, they talk a lot about Stephen Greer. Not a lot, but he is his. The name's mentioned uh, quite a bit. Um, so if you don't know about Stephen Greer, I just want to give a little mm-hmm. background. So he is a medical doctor. Um, he's the founder of the Disclosure Project, Center for the Study of Extraterrestrial Intelligence, also the acronym C SETI. I don't know if people use the acronym, but the Orion Project, um, the Serious Disclosure, and I mean he's done a whole host of other things, but um, those are those are like his organizations. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know to the extent, uh, but they do these like contact conferences where I guess they try to contact aliens. Oh yeah. Oh wait. I think I've heard about this. Yeah. I, I don't, I didn't read, I don't, I've heard people mention it, but yeah. I, I, I just never have researched it, but there, there's some, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the story I I chose to read uh, while we were looking for some material for the podcast was is about Dr. Stephen Gurr and this other researcher uh, in Mexico. So love that. Um, yeah, we'll do this and then um, maybe a couple other things. And, yeah, yeah. Let's so do it. this story here takes place in um, uh, 1994. Um, so there were some sightings in Monterey, Mexico, and what happened was the center, the center for study of extraterrestrial life, Dr. Greer's organization, organized a field investigation, and they sent several members of the group to meet this man named Santiago Ituria. He is a Mexican UFO researcher and investigator. And, um, so this involves Dr. Stephen Greer and, um, this woman has passed away, uh, I believe. Yeah, it says the late Sherry Adamiak, A-D-A-M-E-I-A-K, I think that's how you pronounce mm-hmm. it. I'm not familiar with her, but, um, I guess she was one, at one time the executive director of, uh, CSETI, um, so, this is pretty bizarre. Um, it's, it has to do <laughs> with, um, there's, there's no like, it's like in between physical and like non-physical contact. It's very strange. But, okay. Um, so, the, these events unfolded and they went down... Um, uh, so, on the 13th of December, um, Sherry, uh, dreamt of extraterrestrials showing the spot where we should come to have a meeting with them. Okay, so they're in Mexico and she has this dream. And, um, there was even a, uh... So, 
I guess she had day and nighttime views of this spot. So like, there were it was there was some marking in the sky where she would know where to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so they drive into these mountains called the Las Mitres Mountains. Um, and it's a well-known UFO hotspot, apparently, in the, in the area. And they chose to make a base camp, um, at this spot. And as the night set in, two stars over the mountain appeared, and they started glowing. And this was the same thing that happened in her dream. Okay. Um... So this 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 area was this area where they chose to camp was not only a hotspot for activity, but uh, local researchers believe that there's an alien base inside the mountain, and there are these strange and dense clouds that regularly form over this area of the mountain where there's a supposed base. Um, So on this evening, they didn't really see anything strange. Um, At 10.30 p.m., a very bright light appeared overhead. It traveled in an arc over the sky and appeared to disappear near the Orion star system. Clearly visible in the night sky. Without, or I'm sorry, within a minute of that sighting, very dense clouds appeared out of nowhere and shielded what appeared to be a very specific part of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, little after 1 a.m., strange aerial activity began. A bright strobe, strobe-like white light appeared at the edge of the mountain. Um, Adamiak, Greer, and other team members witnessed this. They watched as another light came rolling down the side of the, of the steep slope of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, as this happened, Greer and Adamiak um, felt a presence nearby. Um, and they both believed at this point there was a spacecraft and extraterrestrial beings very close. They noticed... Small square-shouldered beans in the distance, in like you know, like the trees and the brush, uh-huh. <clears throat> and they were um, they were small creatures, about knee height to a standard adult, and they would like they were like popping in and out. They would like pop and then like go back and like they didn't want to be seen. <laughs> okay. Um, Adamiak claimed that these beans wore a dull orange rust-colored uniforms. Um, at this point, as they continued to watch these beans, a voice appeared in Adamiak's mind, and it was, it was a telepathic message um, that th- they had video cameras set up, and these video cameras were causing concern they were they were of concern to these little oh, okay. to these little beans. Okay. Um, so yeah, they um, she attempted to send a telepathic message back that they shouldn't worry, um, as the camera was off. 
Um, and at that point, the activity seemed to settle down a little bit. Um, so they didn't use the camera anymore to catch anything, any uh, footage. Right. Um, so they didn't want to do anything to like startle these supposed creatures. Mm-hmm. And um, they obviously couldn't, they couldn't like talk to them physically. So it was all like mental communication. And um, another message got sent to, um, to Adamiak. And it, apparently these creatures were having difficulty adjusting to their energies. Um, they said that her, the Adamiac's physical energy was focused around her stomach. And she said that she had eaten an energy bar earlier. So at this point, a strange feeling came over her. And it was like an invisible hand was pulling the food out of her stomach. And then she just threw up. Oh, Okay. Um, she was fine after that. She said it was only mildly unpleasant. Um, and then after that, um, they, this, um, basically their physical bodies disappeared and they just became these, um, shafts of golden light. Um, the, uh, then the, the lights then morphed into a large oval bluish fog and each of them turned into strange mist and a tall humanoid entity appeared with straight silverish hair and a light blue and silver uniform um, the, the team members watched as basically this thing is standing there Um, and the visitor, this cosmic visitor, as it says, feared that if he should manifest into a more physical form, it would cause them to be dangerously frightened. Wow. Which as interesting as that is, it's still very vague. Yeah, it is. You know, like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, Um, like we're not already frightened. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're in the woods by yourself with like two other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Have you... Before I maybe was weekly on this podcast, have yeah. you talked about like the different types of close encounters? You mean like close encounters of the third kind, yeah. fourth kind? Um, probably been mentioned, but because just um, like Stephen Greer does yeah. a lot on like close encounters of the fifth kind. Yes. So that's it. Like just for background, that's exactly what these are. Like they're. Like, physical, but like he said, not physical interactions with these beings. Yeah. So, that's considered, like, the fifth kind. But the reason I know Stephen Greer is because he has a documentary specifically about that. Well, he has uh, a lot, but he has one specifically yeah. of the fifth kind. Is I it believe. called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind? Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's really, really cool. And it, like, is these people... I don't know if this story exactly, yeah. but it's some of these people talking about it. So, and what they've experienced, but... If you all are interested. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, yeah, I think they're all on Amazon. At least that's where I've seen them. I think I saw it on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, this guy's been, he's been at it a long time, so his stories are endless. Yeah. Yeah, they're endless. Um, 
So yeah, and th- and then they became part of this telepathic three-way conversation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, where they they were basically talking about having a meeting with this ex- with this extraterrestrial, um, and basically it ends with the extraterrestrial saying, "Soon again, soon again." Ugh. So it's kind of creepy. Um, okay. Again, very vague, but um. So and and after this happened, and the the next day, um, I guess they were still in this local city. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they had some other team members that were doing some television program. Um, they witnessed this small bright light on the side of the mountain and they were headed to somewhere else but mm-hmm. because they saw that they like changed their plans and went to follow this light um it turned a brilliant red and shot out a lightning bolt of energy and vanished um they witnessed a golden streak shoot through the sky as it was headed towards this uh i guess there's a volcano called Topo Chico oh <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Didn't know that, but apparently that's where it was going. Um, and after that happened, they were driving back to their uh, home base, wherever that wherever that was at this point. And along with the driver of the car, they witnessed a large disc-shaped craft with a dome top rising slowly into the skies. And it was there for some time, and then it just like... It like basically disappeared, mm-hmm. shimmered out of existence. Um. So yeah, wow. pretty crazy account. Yeah, that is um, crazy. Basically, they experience an alien visitor in the on this slope of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um. That's that location was given to a Damiac in a dream. Through a dream, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that it was supposedly in the dream given to her in like various ways that she could picture, like that she would know what it looked like in the day, in the night, like yeah. from like a bird's eye view. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Like, like they would be seeing it. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah. It says in day and nighttime views. Yeah. So that is, that is very interesting. Um, yeah, wild. it is wild. Um, well, what's always interesting to me is when um, <clears throat> when you because there's uh, there's obviously a lot of UFO sightings in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you go to different countries, it's always interesting because you they're usually very like they don't differ that much. It's it's pretty universal as far as like what happens. Yes, um, it's never different, but. The mountain part is interesting to me because I know, I believe it's Mount Shasta out in California, Mm -hmm. as well as, um, what's the one outside Seattle? Uh, the mountain? Yeah. Is it a Mount Rainier? Mount Rainier, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And, um, Mount, I believe it's Mount Fuji in Tokyo, or in Japan. Yes. All have UFO lore associated with. Yeah. So. Something about the mountains. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like... They're not going to, like, fly around like a 
like downtown Nashville or something. No, no, exactly. You know? Yeah, oh no, it makes sense. I mean, if you, I mean, if you were gonna make a base, <laughs> if you were a UFO and were gonna make a base, yeah. like you would want to do it in somewhere that's hard to get to. Yep. And mountains are extremely difficult for humans to traverse. Yeah. Um, they definitely have it up on us there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Also, if it's a volcano, you just fly in the top. Yeah, like you get exactly. You little, little crafts and you just fly in the top. Yep. Yeah. Wow. And I assume they know when it's going to erupt so they can get out. I would imagine if they have <laughs> if they have gravity-defying uh-huh. uh, craft, they could probably tell when a volcano is yep. going to explode. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Wow. Very true. Um, what else you got? Well, there's this one... Um, there's this one account that I, I, I I've heard of before and heard the story, but I just came across the uh, I just came across this story on it. Um, mm-hmm. It takes place in Japan. Um, it says 150 years before Roswell. Um, it's called it's called the Utsuro Bune legend, and um, this is a picture. So we'll link to these in our uh, mm-hmm. in our sources. But basically, this is a this is a depiction of what the uh, basically people in eighteen hundreds uh-huh. Japan saw. Okay. And it looks like a flying saucer. Yeah, it does exactly like, like if him. If you were the Kenneth Arnold sightings, and it's it's what it. This is what it looks like. Wow, um, that's pretty wild. Yeah, it is. So according to this account, um, I cannot pronounce. It was in so this this detailed account was in a book, um, and that's in Japanese. And yeah, I'm not. No we don't know that one. That, but this incident took place <laughs> on. Uh, February 22nd, 1803. So fishermen were working um, along the shore in Harayadori. There you go. Harayadori, yeah. In the Hitachi province province of Japan. Um, They would notice a bizarre, extraordinary object floating in the water heading their direction. Although it wasn't under any apparent control. Mm -hmm. It was just sitting in the water. Um, the fishermen would reach this vessel and tow it back to shore. Um, they estimated that the object was around 10 feet in height and almost twice that wide. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty large. That's pretty large. That, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you think like a human, average man is probably what, five, eight? That's like a, that's like a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. For real, for real though. Literally, wow. Uh, yeah, it's like a. It is. It's a studio. Yeah, it's, it's a floating studio apartment. <laughs> yeah, um, they were way ahead of the times. They were way ahead of the times. <laughs> so it was seemingly split into a top half and a bottom half, with the top half made of a red wood-like material, while the bottom was much more metallic and solid. Um, the shape. Yeah, so the, uh, well, it's not really relevant, but it was identical to an incense burner, a Japanese incense burner, I guess. Um, and this incense burner, I guess, it looks like a flying saucer, but mm-hmm. 
association. Um, so they looked in the windows and there was some sort of clear crystal. Um, they would claim the interior appeared to be similar to that of a wooden rice bowl. The interior appeared... Okay. So we got the top half was made of some red wood. The bottom is like a metal. Mm-hmm. And then the, and the, inside? Then the inside looks like a rice bowl. Okay. So... <laughs> um, Sounds like a one-bedroom apartment, too. Yeah, it does. Lots of wood. Lots, um, a lot of wood. The windows were covered with strange bars of an unknown material and were covered with a fluid-like substance. Um, and that's about all for the details. Mm-hmm. Um, they noticed writing on the walls inside the craft... Um, they also noticed a bottle full of water and what appeared to be something similar to a cake. Again, one bedroom apartment. Yep. Mm-hmm. Water um, and like a random piece of cake. It also appeared to be some meat and a <laughs> stash of food. Sounds like my one bedroom apartment. Yep. It did. Yep. I wonder if there's like just things lying everywhere as well. Like in no order. Is that what it sounds like? Yeah, it sounds, it sounds okay. like a hurricane just ran yeah, through it. Yeah, it does sound like So yours. there were bed sheets. Oh, gosh. And then they noticed the young woman. You know, that also. Uh, it also sounds like my place. She, <laughs> she was around 20 years old, and the fisherman agreed she was very beautiful. Um, her hair and eyebrows were red. So if you, know, if you know anything about Japanese culture, not a lot of red hair. No. Usually very dark complected. Um, uh there, she appeared to have some kind of extensions going on. So where her natural hair finished, there were extensions. And they cl- said possibly made of white fur. Don't know about that. Um, her skin was a particular pink tone. Oh. Um, that is quite an illustration. Very, yeah. Very strange illustration. Um... Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Her clothes were made of an unknown material. Uh, they were long and smooth. She, the, she was holding a light-colored box throughout the whole encounter. Have they said if she was asleep or awake? Is this? I, I no, they have. haven't. They haven't. Um, she would not allow any of them to touch a strange box, so I guess she was awake. Mm-hmm. Uh, appearing fearful of what... Like what they would do, I guess. Um, yeah. She spoke to them in a language that none of them understood. Um, the I mean, so at this point, the fishermen, they didn't know what to do. So they pushed the boat back out to sea and let it just drift. Um, Good idea, probably. Another account apparently says that the fisherman left the boat where it was. Uh-huh. And they, the woman just, like, grew old there. That's what this says. I, I don't know. Um, yes, yeah, so they say, according to research, uh, these hair extensions of all the cultures and their warriors, royals, and citizens, these type of hair extensions... And styling is not found in any other records of history. Hmm. So it, it sounds like what they're saying at this point in history, hair extensions were not... Like they were trying to see if it could have been some other 
culture yeah, exactly. around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like she was on a boat, yeah. I guess, and she had drifted. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like any other culture at the yeah, time. Yeah, apparently not. Um, we do love a good hair extension. We, hey, always. But she was killing the game, apparently. So, yeah, there's also... Um, th- there's a lot more in this article, but that's best the basic account. Um... So, as there are unidentified flying objects, there are also unidentified submerged objects or unidentified submersible mm-hmm. objects. Basically, UFOs that go in the water. Yeah. That's like a whole other classification. So, mm-hmm. the article is saying that there are a lot of UFO sightings that happen near water. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like that's true. Like, I hear about a lot of them around but, water. But yeah, I guess the reason this sighting is so famous is because it's from the 1800s mm-hmm. and it was recorded and that didn't really yeah. happen. Um, the only other ones I know of are like some of the uh, some of the sightings they talk about in uh, on Ancient Aliens. Oh yeah, I was just thinking about that. Like uh, uh, show. I remember one, there's like a painting mm-hmm. that depicts like these these flying objects in the sky from like the 1500s. Mm-hmm. I think it was over some town in Germany or France. Yeah. I was, as we were talking about this, I was just thinking about when I would come home from, I don't even know what grade it was, but all that was on the TV was ancient aliens. Oh yeah. I mean, I had like, a ye- I had two years where that's pretty much all I watched. And I was like, this is so <laughs> wild. And who knew? Like, I thought he was crazy. But yeah, yeah. no, I really don't think I he mean, is. I mean, there are some crazy explanations on there that I do not believe. But mm-hmm. as a show in itself, it does a great job of pointing out just some of the unexplainable yeah. parts of history. Yeah, I feel like they weren't necessarily trying to explain it. They were just like, no, this no. stuff's crazy. And yeah, you know, yeah, like. I mean, they cover so many topics, yeah. but yeah, like that painting I just mentioned, mm-hmm. like, like what? How do you, yeah, I don't know how you describe, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess the artist that. could have just been some dream, but yeah. like, I don't think that, that, I don't think that was a possibility, yeah. but yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, this is a strange, strange, uh, report there. Um, the article goes into a bunch of more, um kind of explanations but again I did not read the whole article so I don't want to yeah I don't I don't know have the depth to go through all that but so when you watched that documentary on Stephen Greer what or mm. Stephen Greer's documentary what were they if like, I remember what did it follow did it follow like one of their events that they hold yeah I think yeah. it was I actually had I'd looked it up to make sure. It was a while ago, but I believe it was like a group of them who, oh yes, I don't know if they started the documentary off with this or what, but it was a bunch of um, things that he was saying that like our government slash like people in power are hiding from us. Mm -hmm. And then he went into detail, like if we knew this, like how much our world would be changed and whatnot. But it was like so hard for me to get my head around because like this specific type of close encounter is so, it's kind of like very like 
like meta, like up here, like it's hard to grasp. Yeah, yeah. Because you think like, oh, you like see something in the sky, okay. Or you like, they like interfere with your like electricity or something and stuff like that, which is very easy to understand, but this is like just very different. So it was very interesting, but, um, it's like not, it's a non-physical type yeah. of encounter. Yeah. But yes, what I did like about it was there was actually a ton of, like it wasn't just them talking about it, but there was a lot of actual like evidence, like physical things yeah. where you're like, I don't know how else you would explain that. Obviously you guys should watch it for yourself, but, um, yeah, I loved it. And they, yeah, they talked to like, I don't know. I didn't know who it was, but a very like legendary attorney, like a civil rights attorney about like his experiences. Huh? Um, and then says Jeremy Piven directed some of it. Yes. Yes, he did. I remember that. Interesting. Yeah, Daniel Sheehan, civil rights attorney. Yeah. Huh. I'm, I was trying to... The name, like, sounds familiar, but I cannot... Yeah. I think I watched this over, like, the quarantine period. Oh, nice. Oh, yes, because he has crazy hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy white yeah. hair. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. That, his interview was very interesting. Really? But, yeah. And I also watched his um, documentary... Stephen Greer's Unacknowledged. Okay. Super good, too. I'm going to have to watch these, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's cool. The, Interesting. The little title at the top of the, like, canvas yeah. for the documentary is, We're Not Alone, We Never Were. Ooh. So. Thanks. Eerie. Very but eerie. It was super good. I think I watched them back to back, but, uh, you know, when I had nothing important to do. So. Yeah, it's uh, man. The tough part about this topic is there's so, there's so many avenues you go down because mm -hmm. you have like these, and then you have like, and then you have like stories of like uh, or supposed happenings of like Silicon Valley types like dosing LSD and like yeah. making contact with like different <laughs> different realms or different dimensions. Yeah, and it's just. Uh, and it how and has that influenced like the technology we use currently? Right. Like, is this actually? Is it like? What are we? Is this meant to be like how we live, or is this influenced by some other mm -hmm. other it. dimension? Yeah. Or other group of entities yeah. like. I don't want to say God type beings, but some sort of advanced. Yeah. Um, like knowing yeah. type thing. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Also, yeah. like what knowledge has been lost? That's the crazy mm, thing to mm -hmm. me. And it will we'll end on this, but like <clears throat> I was uh, like the library at Alexandria that got wiped out by, uh, I believe it was a, uh, an earthquake, I believe. Oh. I can't remember specifically, but um, the library at Alexandria... Uh, the ancient Egypt, um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was BC or right after, but it did get, it got wiped out and, but it, it held records from like all the ancient world. Right. And it just it got destroyed. And then like the Spanish, when they conquered the Spanish, when they conquered the Aztecs and the Incas, mm -hmm. there's only four 
living copies of books from the whole Aztec Empire. Everything oh, else they just burned. Because they burned it they all. They burned everything or melted it down. Yep. That's one of the craziest stories to me. Yeah. Like that's and no one thinks about that. Nobody. Like how much we don't know, and not because it like they were trying to hide it, but because it got wiped out. Yeah. Like or because the well, I mean, uh, they were supported by the Catholic Church, yeah. so it was just like a matter of this is this is evil. This is how it, yeah. yeah this is how it is, and this yeah. isn't. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Man, well, we've talked about this before, but also what's hiding in the Vatican archives? Well. Oh, <laughs> yep. That's a great rabbit hole that, that I love. That is, it's so good. Like the chron- <laughs> the chronovisor. That was a great story. That was one of my favorite Man, ones. That was a good. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. it got destroyed in a fire. Oh, a fire. They okay. said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, I'm, 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 I know it got destroyed. I just didn't know specifics. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, that's that. Um, kind of went all over the place. Yeah, we did. But go on your way knowing that we don't know anything. Yeah. And a lot We're, of it has been destroyed. <laughs> exactly. You know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> just keep listening to us. Yeah. That'll okay. be sufficient. Yeah, if it'll, it'll get you through the day <laughs> yeah. at least. It gets us through the day, so. <laughs> uh, okay, um, y'all can find us at Twitter at World We Live Pod. Um, you can email me at World We Live In Podcast at gmail.com. Um, listen to us on Spotify, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and yeah, Twitter, Gmail, I think that's really all I use. So. Okay. Thanks for listening. Yep, thanks for listening. And yep, we'll talk to you next time.